Hello and a warm welcome. I'm Armin Trost, professor at the Furtwangen University in Germany. And this is my series on human resources strategies, a real master course for advanced HR students, professionals and executives. This series is available on YouTube and on all podcatchers like iTunes or Spotify. All slides that support this series are available on my website. For more information, please read the description to this YouTube or podcast. I'd also like to refer to my book, Human Resources Strategies, available at most online bookstores. So, again, thanks for listening Have fun and gain valuable insights into the fascinating world of HR strategies. So, this time we talk about talent development. And this will be one episode of two. And in an earlier episode about the idea and challenge of talent management, I was already introducing the 70-20-10 rule of talent development. You might remember, the rule says that whatever people learn, 70% is based on experience, the things you do, the tasks, the projects you are involved. 20% is about learning from and with others. And 10% is learning as part of formal training, classroom training, uh, standard uh, programs and, and the like. Okay, 70, 20, 10. And this time I would like to start with a 10 and 20 and I would like to focus on the 20, <laughs> on the 20% of learning from and with others. And let me start this way. Whenever... We think about talent development. There is one absolutely fundamental question that I have mentioned already many times. And the question is, who is responsible for the long-term development of your most talented people? Who is that? Um, and some companies would subscribe the strategic statement like, As a company, we have a responsibility to develop our most talented people. So here, the company and HR is responsible for the development of the people. They take them by the hand. They guide them through various programs, career path, or whatsoever. Right? It's the responsibility of the company to do something with the people. And I would say this is a very classic approach. And the opposite approach would go like this, and here is the strategic statement. The responsibility for the development of our employees lies with the employees themselves. We enable them for this where necessary and where desired. So this is the approach about people-centered enablement. Yeah, you see it? People-centered enablement. You say, hey, you people, you high potential, you John, you are responsible for your development. Move yourself. Yeah, shape your career, take responsibility for your long-term development, take responsibility for your life. You are a grown man, so better do this way. But as a company, you don't do nothing. You do something, but everything you do is to enable John so that he 
can take over responsibility for his own development. And really, this is a very, 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 very fundamental differentiation. And I repeat myself, I know, as is very often. <laughs> uh, whenever it comes to talent management, I would say this is one of the most fundamental strategic decisions you have to make really in the beginning. Now, let's move forward and let's have a look at some approaches, some ideas around uh, talent development. And, you know, sometimes you might have employees in your organization, you might have high potentials in your organization requesting something like a career path, okay? They knock at the HR department's door or they ask the supervisor or they ask the executive board, hey, You told me that I'm a high potential, so what's the plan? Give me the plan. <laughs> what do I have to do? What are my next steps? <laughs> And uh, what they want to say is, I want to have guidance. Where will I be in two years from now? Where will I be in four years from now? What are the different steps that you want me to, to, uh, to, 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 to walk? Yeah, give me this. So, What we're basically talking about here are what we name career paths. Career path. And let me share with you, again, two strategic directions you, you might go, right? Uh, either one or, or, or the other. And again, here's the strategic statement for one approach. And it's very standardized and normative or prescriptive, we could also say. And it goes like this. Employees expect clear perspectives and normative career paths. This is why we describe and prescribe precisely as possible how one could achieve a target position in the long term. Okay, John, you think that you in the future you will become the CFO? Mm, okay. Where are you now? Ah, okay, you are an account assistant. <laughs> okay, first you become this, and then you will become this, and then you will become this, and then this, and this, and this. And eventually you become the CFO. But this is the way you go. Why? Because we say so, right? We say so. There's no choice. There's a, there's a prescribed normative. Normative means... Uh, 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 ideal way or uh, uh, defined way, top-down defined way, how you get there. Okay? So, this career path can be very complicated sometimes. You might have some, some special charts where you say, okay, if you are a trainee, let's say start here, you are start as a trainee, and then after two years, uh, there might be three options for you. Uh, A, B, and something else. And from there, you can become a senior something. And when you are senior something, you have the choice either become a manager or A or B, and then you become a senior manager, A or B. Uh, so this, this is a path. So it's, it's, just like a, it's just like a map, right? Tell A map, but not a map with too many choices. It, it really tells you, look, Here is where you are currently, and this is where you where you might end, yeah. And then you have to take these different kind of steps. And again, the idea very often is to give people guidance, especially those people who expect guidance, yeah. 
and and then it helps. It provides orientation, and then the people can see. Okay, currently I'm here. These are the options I could take next time. Okay, and when I when I pass this successfully, then I become a senior something. Yeah, so uh, it could be helpful. But again, it's you know that's a way that you that you would uh, propose or an approach that you would propose. When your HR is pretty much about central planning and control, you tell the people how things work, right? You take the responsibility. You you tell the people, look, we 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 have thought things through, and we know much more than you. We know about the opportunities much. We know the opportunities much better than you. So because we we know it so well, we teach you, we tell you, we guide you, and tell you, look, this is the way it goes. Okay, this is the normative approach. But there is also an alternative approach. And um, maybe I can explain this by giving you a, a, an example. And I experienced that example, for instance, with a, uh, a big retail company, uh, a Walmart kind of company. And in this company, there are many stores, right? Uh, hundreds of stores, And every store has a store manager, right? This is uh, the one who is responsible for a store. And then we talk about big stores here that employ 100 or 200, sometimes 300 people. So a store manager, that's, that's kind of the CEO of the store. And it's a key position because the future of a store really depends on this, of the, the, the incumbent of this particular position, okay? So um, what we did there was We asked all the store managers, in, in a little survey, really, we asked them, hey, store managers, and there were hundreds, what did you do before? What was your position before you became a store manager? And some said, well, I was a deputy store manager. Some said, I was a department head. Some say, I was something, something else. So, and really, we, we tried to understand the different paths the people walked through in their career. And when we had the deputy store managers, we asked them and said, uh, what did you do before? <laughs> and then again, we, we found a range of different positions these people had before. So, And that went from the store manager down to a very bottom position. So what we, what we could describe as a kind of an inverted tree right? Uh, inverted tree. And um, what we learned is there were uh, infinite numbers of different paths that end up with being a store manager, right? Very, very different ways. Um, and, and now let's say somebody is a head of department, right? Or the deputy head of a department, And this employee is asking, okay, I mean, what, what, are, what, what is the career path to become a store manager? The answer will always be, mm, well, uh, we, we don't know. There is no normative career path. We do not uh, prescribe this. I, that pretty much depends on you and this depends on the situation. But look, when you look in the past, how people like you did progress into a store manager, this, was, this were the path that people normally went. So... Is that the same for you? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> the only thing you tell these people is uh, learn from the others. Learn from the career of others. 
So from any position where you are currently, you have some real statistical information about what did the people do afterwards after uh, uh, having spent time on a, on a particular position. And that's, a, that's, a, that's another approach that leaves freedom to the people. And that also gives guidance to the people, but not in the way telling, look, this is how you should go. The message is, you get orientation by learning how others did it, whether it was wrong or right. right? Okay? So, instead of having a standardized and normative career path, you might have something like individual and descriptive career paths. And here's the strategic statement for this. There are as many career paths with us as there are employees. We offer our employees transparency and orientation about previous experiences and careers of others. Right? You are transparent about the path, of the, about the past. You, you show them how others did it in the past. But telling the employee, look, you have to build your own career path and 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 that, that that lies pretty much in your own responsibility i find this really cool <laughs> i like this you know this is i mean it's it's not to say ah career path that's too strict that's too static too tight uh and instead of having a career path having nothing i mean that's that might not be the option you 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 can have career path but But it's a difference whether it's normative or descriptive. Okay? Oh, I like this. It's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. So another thing that relates to learning from others is, is, for instance, mentoring. And, of course, mentoring is something uh, that is very special. Um, now, what does a mentor do? A men what is that? A mentor very often is a senior person, maybe an executive or a senior expert, okay? But that's the idea that a mentor must be experienced, grown, <laughs> senior. And the mentee, the one who is, uh, is being mentored, right? The mentee is, is more junior. So the mentee learns from the experienced mentor, Right? And what mentors do is they give advice. Right? And, and, and we were going to talk about the coach in, in, in a minute, but that's a real difference compared to the coach. As you will see, a coach will not give advice. A coach will make you think. But a mentor gives advice. A mentor talks to the mentee and says, Look, John, I tell you what you have to do now. Don't do this project. Don't do this now. Don't do it. Do this project. It's better for you, really. Yeah. You get more exposure when you do this project. And but you know, here is one advice: before you before you want to take over responsibility for this project, talk to the CFO. That's critical. You don't need to understand why, but do it. Why? I tell you so. Really, I mean, it's my advice. Yeah. So uh, a mentor will will enhance your network. Uh, a mentor will connect you with, with important people. Hey, John, you know, tomorrow I meet, 
I meet the general manager of uh, UK. Oh, you better come with me, and uh, you you meet this guy. It's a cool guy. Ah, it might be this guy will might be important for you in the future. So you better meet this guy. I I will take you in. I will take you in. I open the door. I invite you. Huh? Let me do this for you. You know, this is what mentors do. It's a little bit of father or a mother, caring, right? guiding. That's the mentor. And um, of course, there are some preconditions for this relationship. So the mentor must really believe in his or her mentee, absolute, and, and vice versa, of course. Okay? And um, so they, they, they have a kind of a common responsibility, uh, meaning that uh, they, they both... Uh, uh, They, they both share the responsibility about what it what's need to be done. So when the mentor gives an advice, he shares responsibility because this advice might be wrong. Right? It's not just the mentee who has the responsibility. They have both. Yeah? The mentor gives advice, as I said, gives answers, yeah? and has much power just because a mentor is experienced and very often also an authority. Yeah? And it's, it's very crucial that the mentor is not somebody you report to. It should not be the boss of your boss of your boss. No, better, better not. It should be an independent person, really. Yeah? And as I said, very often, very senior, very senior. And, and of course, both must believe in each other. The mentor believes in the mentee. Yeah, it's a cool guy, really. And the mentee believes in the mentor. Yeah, it's a cool guy. <laughs> At the end, it only works... When, when both benefit from each other. I mean, it's clear the mentee benefits from the advice and the wisdom and the strength and the power of the mentor. But also the mentor can benefit from the mentee because the, the mentee might be a future senior leader. And uh, through mentoring, the current mentor, uh, he, 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 he builds his or her own supporters for the future. But also mentors can learn a lot from the mentees. And, and very often it's, it's, it's simply joy helping the junior people. And, you know, when it comes to mentoring, which is extremely powerful. I mean, we know it from, from, from very successful people in history. They very often had a mentor. Very often. The question is how, how mentors and mentees get together. How do you build this relationship? And... There is a, in practice, there is a structured approach, I would name it that way. And with a structured approach, um, the strategic statement goes like this. We assign a mentor from senior management to each talent. In doing so, we systematically pay attention to the correct fit. So, who is responsible for building that relationship? It's maybe HR. They say, hmm, okay, we have 10 mentors here, and here we have 100 high potentials. So, hmm, how do we link the mentors to the mentees? Okay, hmm, maybe we look at some profiles, personality, and so, and then we look for the best fit, for the best match, and, and then somebody, maybe in HR, decides, okay, these 10 high potential, they will be supported by this mentor and this other 10 will be supported by this mentor. Yeah? So somebody makes the decision for both the mentors and the mentees. Okay, that's one way you could do it, but I tell you, probably it won't work because probability is extremely high that the mentor will not believe in the mentee and vice versa. So there is another strategic approach that 
we know very often works better. And this is about social mediation, I would name it. Talent must convince their mentors themselves. If they can't, they will have little chance to succeed in the long run. So you mentees, you find your mentors. And, and we, will, we will shape a room. We will provide the infrastructure that's going to help you to find your mentor. We don't leave you alone, but you have to fight for your mentor. And, and one of the real coolest, best practices that I have ever found about this is, uh, is a television show. You, you probably know the name of the show is The Voice. The Voice, you know, there are artists, mainly young artists, and they perform uh, for, I guess, 90 seconds or so, and there are coaches. And uh, in the first phase of the show, which is called the blind audition, the, the potential coaches do not see the artist. By the way, it's named coach uh, in, in this show, but actually these are not coaches, these are mentors, right? So the artist starts to sing. And the coaches can't see the artist. But if, as a coach, you believe, oh, this is a great guy, you push the buzzer, your chair turns around, and then you see the artist. Okay. If no, if no coach pushes the buzzer, you can go home. You have not convinced the mentors. <laughs> and that's the idea. You have to convince the mentors. And if you can't convince a mentor, you won't get any. Okay. So, now... Once there are more than one coaches that, that believe in this talent, then it's the talent's choice, the artist's choice, with whom they want to work in the future. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's, it's the most perfect approach to match mentors and mentees. And, you know, in practice, you can do the same. I, I have advised, I, I advised a big uh, company uh, a couple of years ago where we dealt exactly with that, with that uh, problem. And, and we said, okay, you have your high potentials. Uh, give them the chance to make short presentations in front of the executive board. Yeah? It's very scary. Very, very scary, very demanding, you know. And then this young talent, they had done presentations in front of the executive board and, and the executive board members, they had to decide, do I want to have this guy as my mentee or not? And if nobody is there who wants a high potential as a mentee, the high potential can go home and is no high potential anymore. If the, and the idea really is, if, if the executives don't believe in a high potential now, They will never believe in him or her in the future. So you better go home. Continue your work. Maybe you get a second chance. Okay? Yeah. That's uh, it's, uh, tough. It's tough, but, but uh, pretty cool. So this is mentoring. The other thing is coaching. Coaching is different. And a coach would never say, Hey, Susan, you better do this now. Or don't do this now. Hey, Susan, do it in that way. Right? You would never do so. You would say, Susan, okay, you are in a challenging situation now. I, I understand, right? Why do you think it's challenging? Why is it challenging for you? Um, okay, so hmm, what are you intend to do? Huh? Option A, option B, explain, please. Okay, hmm. why do I feel, I, the coach, why do I feel that you are not so certain about option B? Why is that? Am I wrong? So you, 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 you assume that the coach keeps responsibility. 
The coach is responsible, not the, the coachee, sorry. The coachee is responsible. You leave the responsibility with the coach. You have to think. And I will make you think for sure by asking difficult questions. And this is what coaches do. They ask questions and they want the coachee to reflect on these questions, make, make them think. And you know, the power, the power of a coach comes through the mere presence. I mean, imagine this. If, if you think about the question, this simple, difficult question, what is my biggest strength or more difficult Where could I be extremely good in the future? You could think about this. And you could do this in the silence of your room. Yeah? You can think about this while having a walk or something. You can think about this while you're in a shower or something like this. But imagine the situation. I ask you this question and I sit in front of you and I look into your eyes and ask you, John, tell me, please, I want you to think, where could you be good in the future? Well, what is your answer to this? And I stare into your eyes. And then you think. You think. And the last thing you will do is to give an unreflected, spontaneous answer. You won't. Why? Because I'm here. And I'm listening. Yeah? So, that's coaching. The power of coaching comes from the presence. The mere presence of the coach. It's wonderful. Oh, it's wonderful. Love it. Really, really cool. Yeah. And that could be really anybody. Could be an external coach. Could be a colleague. Not the boss. Not the boss. Especially when the boss is a boss, acts like a boss. Yeah. If the coach acts like a coach, could be the coach. But, but, um, Should be somebody who is really independent, somebody you, you never, never, never need uh, see the, the necessity to, to negotiate or something like this. Coaches don't judge, so you better take a judge as your coach because you feel that at some point of time in the future you will be judged by your coach and you don't want a coach that will judge you. Okay, that's important. Of course, coaches must trust their coach to the fullest extent. They must have the feeling that they can share everything, their deepest fear, their deepest worry, something that you might not do with your direct immediate supervisor, you see, okay? And here, primarily, the coach must benefit, otherwise it, it won't work. So, this is coaching. It's extremely powerful. Coaching and mentoring. Don't mix the two things up, right? Okay? So, let me close this episode by sharing with you some some best practices that I found and there are I mean there are hundreds of course but there are a lot of things that a company can do to encourage and to enable and to manage learning from and with others um, again the fundamental idea is Shape the crown, shape the room, shape the opportunities that something like this happens. And that's, that might be your responsibility, especially when your HR type is like uh, people-centered enablement. Right? So one idea, for instance, communities of practice. Um, their high potentials or regular employees, managers, they 
they who naturally not collaborate in their daily work. They informally meet, sometime virtually or personally, uh, and it's really completely independent from the 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 octet. Yeah, they just meet and uh, and. Uh, They they exchange ideas, they exchange problems, they exchange their challenges, and they exchange their their experience. So mainly, this is about learning from and with others. Uh, it's excellent. Uh, it's a wonderful wonderful idea. Also, something that I already have mentioned when we were talking about learning is enterprise social networks. So in twenty first century. Of course, we have this, right? Or even even platforms uh, that that allow collaboration. I mean, there are many in the meantime, yeah, where where people get connected across functions and across departments and cross cross hierarchical levels. They just get connected, and in these these platforms, maybe a little bit like link in LinkedIn, but it's it's more than this. Huh? Uh, it's easy for the members to connect to each other and to share and exchange experiences and you might have a community just consisting of talented people i mean imagine how powerful that would be if you have talented people from from various countries from various functions and they are there and once they have meet person in person one time and once they had a beer together or something like this uh, not necessarily um, I, i personally don't drink alcohol but if it's necessary maybe in some cultures uh, in some others it's not uh, which is fine yeah but uh, once they got in touch with each other Uh, then it will be, in particular, uh, easy for them to connect to each other, learning from each other, sharing challenges, and, and whatever. Uh, or think of body programs. What is a body program? Body program is uh, a more senior talent gets together with a more junior talent. Yeah? And a junior talent will learn from the senior talent. It's like a tandem. Yeah? And... Uh, It's 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 a little bit like mentor and mentee, a little bit, yeah, but not too extreme. It's more simple, and sometimes it's uh it's also uh, limited in time. Uh, sometimes you do body programs when it comes to to uh, new hires onboarding. We were talking about this. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a cool idea, but I mean this idea to combine people to have them one supporting the other is is, is in general uh, a cool idea. Uh, also. I mean, why not having two talent sharing one leadership position? Can you imagine this? That's a wonderful idea. It sounds sounds strange for some listeners, and in some companies that is f not imaginable, sharing one leadership position. I mean, we always have the idea that you have one leader, one, one big guy who's leading uh, one Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Why not having two people sharing the store manager position? They can learn from each other, and that can also decrease uh, uh, uncertainty. Uh, I mean, two brains are always better than one, especially when it comes to solving complex problems, and you learn from each other. Really, job sharing is a, is a wonderful, a wonderful approach. And it's not it's not so easy it's not so easy right it's uh but but if it works well then it works well that's of course that's for sure right? if it works well uh both can benefit to uh 
to a significant extent. Uh, let me also add one best practice that I found is something like reversed mentoring. Reversed mentoring is that a junior person supports a senior person. Uh, a new hire, uh, 25-year-old, becomes the mentor of an executive. I mean, that sounds weird in the first moment, but no, it's not weird. An executive can learn a lot from a young person, really. And the funny thing here is uh, if you have a talented person and this talented person is supposed to teach to teach an executive, guess who will learn the most? The young person will learn the most because once you teach an executive, hey, you're going to learn. You're going to learn. Learning through teaching, extremely powerful. I mean, that's something that I always do also as a professor. I, I tell my students uh, when I supervise a thesis or when I have an oral exam, I always tell them, hey, guys, the best thing that can happen to you in terms of the grade is when I learn something from you and I want to learn from you. And when you learn, when I learn from you, I have learned something, but who you will have learned the most. I mean, so that's a, it's excellent. Yeah. Of course, knowledge, man, knowledge management, as I have shared with you in an earlier episode, especially when it's about the connect approach, it's brilliant. Connect the people to share knowledge. Yeah. Or internal blocking. Why, why not, why not having, Leaders, managers, high potentials uh, that plug about opinions, about perspectives, about experiences. Um, it's wonderful. Then others can learn from this experience. They can get in touch with those who write the plugs yeah, and can benefit from their experience. That's pretty cool. And there is one thing that is probably of highest significance. And this is simply work. <laughs> work. Uh, we're going to talk about this next time. Whenever, whenever high potentials or any employees, whenever they work together, whenever they solve a problem altogether, then they learn. And I have outlined this in an earlier episode when we were talking about learning in an agile environment. I told you that in those cases, work and learning is the same. It's, it's exactly the same. So whenever you have high potentials, make them work together. Make them work together and then they will learn from each other. That's the best thing you can do. And in the next episode, I will show you a, a specific approach how, how you can do this. So uh, that's probably the most important thing. Make sure that the people have problems to solve and that they have the chance to collaborate with cool people, that they can communicate with good people, that they can build networks with good people, right? In, in, in an informal way or in a formal way, it does not matter, but... Just make sure that it happens. That's the that's a most important thing. Okay? So, I'd like to leave it to this. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about the 70%. We're going to talk about how people can learn through experience and how you can encourage that and how you can manage this. So, that's for the moment. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye. <laughs>